You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You're listening to The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Alison Klein. On this episode, it's our fashion episode, something totally different, fashion with disabilities. We're going to first talk with Marnie Omnachinsky, who does the inclusion project highlighting uh, the autism spectrum disorder through clothing. And she is based out of Winnipeg. So totally Canadian, so neat to see. But first, let's cue up our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. I'm born in classes the other day. I don't know where to turn. This piece of junk I thought was art looks like the mummy's curse. My teacher smiled to his side, picked up his project, looked in his eyes, and said, Now don't you give up yet.
listening to The Self-Advocate on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM in Vancouver. And me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter at Allison Mira. The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. This is the fashion episode of The Self-Advocate. First up, I'm talking with Marnie Omnanchinsky of The Inclusion Project, something you would not want to miss. Thank you so much, Marnie, for being on this show. What inspired you to make this clothing line for people on the autism spectrum or to promote the autism spectrum? Yes, well, thank you, first of all, for having me today. I'm really looking forward to sharing kind of my story and why I decided to start the Inclusion Project. So um, where the Inclusion, or sorry, where the Inclusion Project stemmed from is our daughter, who is about to turn nine, was diagnosed with autism at age two and a half. And I have found throughout the years that you know, and advocating and pushing for supports and services for our daughter. Um, there were lots and lots of roadblocks. And now today, um, I'm trying to find a way to promote um, through clothing, because I find a lot of people today wear what they feel and they represent on their clothing, whether it's be kind, uh, be a good human, um, so I thought that this is an avenue that we could get something out there to spread awareness on inclusion and uh, also donate back to autism organizations. What type of autism organizations do you give back to? Sure. So I actually just started the inclusion project last September. Um, so I tried to figure out how, you know, how are we going to donate back or what's the criteria going to be or how often. So um, we started by just picking each quarter um, an organization. So the first quarter, which is last quarter, was Open Access Resource Center here in Winnipeg. And they supply communication devices, so iPads, and the Prologue to Go, so the communication software um, for individuals um, that have communication needs. So that was pretty cool. It's interesting to hear about that because, of course, autism is a spectrum disorder and that not everyone on the autism spectrum are verbal. And so they need, of course, alternative text, alternative communication. Is your daughter using alternative communication at all? So actually, she's not. So our daughter, um, she had a few words around age two and a half. Um, and today she is She's, she's verbal, we can, we can understand and she can communicate without a device right now. Um, 
So I do have some friends and just other families I've met through the autism community um, where their kids are nonverbal, uh, different ages. And I just saw them, this is kind of my first insight as to communication devices for individuals who are nonverbal. And um, it's, been, it's been amazing to see these these individuals be able to communicate in a way that works for them. Because I think it's just so often we, we think about communication as talking, but that's not always the case. Communication can come in different forms. Um, so I, uh, I just thought it was a, a great place to start for our first quarter. What was the journey like? You mentioned your daughter being diagnosed at two and a half on the autism spectrum and now she's nine, what was the journey like? And that's pretty early for being diagnosed, even in the diagnostics. What was that journey like? And how did you realize something was wrong or something was different? For sure. So um, I would say, you know, it's looking back, um, I, I now can see signs uh, that I didn't know then. But Absolutely, first and foremost was just her, her lack of words. Um, also, um, lack of eye contact. So Kate was a very happy baby, um, but even when changing her on her change table uh, and interacting with her during those diaper changes, she was giggly and stuff, um, but, but not a lot of eye contact which is, you know, one of the earlier signs. Um, and then even, you know, as a toddler, she was a little bit more, for lack of a better term, like a little bit of a floppier baby. So just those, um, the strength in her muscles, the gross motor skills. So she was also a late walker. Um, she didn't walk until 21 months. Um, so it was just a lot of missed milestones that prompted um, a discussion with our pediatrician and then sending her to a developmental pedi pediatrician for assessment. That must have been so difficult coming as a parent and you're going, what's wrong with my kid and how can I help my kid? I want my kid to be happy. My parents also did the same thing with me because I was also missing a lot of my milestones as a small baby. And it ended up as a learning disability, but still it was very similar. Even with the, such an age gap, I'm in my early thirties, your kid is, Kate is nine, but there's definite similarities much in those 20 plus years. And then you made this inclusion project in the middle of a pandemic, nonetheless. Yeah. Wow, what a whirlwind. You decided to make it blue and have puzzle pieces. Why did you decide on the puzzle piece and why did you decide to make your sweatshirts and sweaters blue? For sure. So actually, initially, when I started the inclusion project, um, I didn't know a lot of the uh, background with the puzzle piece. So as a parent, I just knew that um, a lot of people um, referred or the puzzle piece was, was kind of linked to autism. So 
I, I just went with that. But from starting the social media account, um, I've been able to meet with a lot of uh, individuals who are actually autistic and gave me the feedback on the puzzle piece because there is a big um, negative um, view on the puzzle piece. And I actually wasn't um, aware of this until I, I joined the social media world. Um, so if you, if you go on Instagram or Facebook now, you will see that I have removed the puzzle piece. Um, and I've now removed it from our clothing as well. Um, I just, I, you know, I want people, I, I thought the puzzle piece would be a way for other parents and families to recognize, hey, this must represent autism. But going back to the Autism Speaks um, movement, I don't want autism and especially my daughter to be seen as something in her is missing and we're trying to find the missing puzzle piece because to me, there's nothing missing from her. She's different and everybody's different. Um, so I, I decided to actually remove that from the feedback I got. That's great. I've also heard a lot of feedback, negative feedback on the puzzle piece about Autism Speaks and how difficult it is and difficult to understand from a parent's perspective, how to better help your child when they are different and they are, they communicate differently than neurotypical people. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to mention that I, I didn't, and I didn't want to remove the puzzle piece just because other people provided that feedback. They, they were the ones that brought it to light for me. And then I was able to look at it in a different view and realize that I also aligned uh, with them and um, didn't realize that, that that's really what the puzzle piece meant. Um, and that also the Autism Speaks organization, uh, all, most of their funding uh, doesn't actually go into the community to help individuals uh, who are autistic. And um, so I, I, I just couldn't align with, with their values. It's hard. It's hard to go against such a big organization like that and to go with the grassroots people. It's one difficult thing, and it, but it's so much more rewarding. I have found as well, making this own radio show and podcast and the whole thing and not be with a major organization. Have you gotten any negative feedback because of that? So on the puzzle piece, um, that was, it was actually only one person specifically that reached out and I stayed kind of connected with who's, who's actually autistic herself. Um, I did have a social media post last week and it came to vaccinations and just sharing that, um, which is obviously a very, uh, it is a black and white topic, right? So it came, <laughs> It was another parent whose daughter is autistic, and he mentioned that this is not a question that you should ask people who have kids with autism is, do you think 
that vaccinations cause autism. So I shared that post and I was like, yes, like, you know, I, I think that we, and again, this is my belief that we should vaccinate our children. And number one, um, you know, even if it, I don't believe it, but even if there was scientific evidence to prove that a vaccination um, caused autism, I don't care because I love my daughter the way she is. And if we don't vaccinate our kids, we're, it's basically someone saying, um, okay, I won't vaccinate my child because I don't want them to have autism, but I'll risk polio, mumps, measles, and death over them being autistic. Like to me, that just hurts to the core. And um, so I did get negative feedback. Someone mentioned that, you know, this should be taken off my page. My child has autism. I do believe uh, it caused, like vaccinations caused it. Um, but for me, I think it's challenging as a mother that I'll have to explain to my daughter when she's 16, 17, that you're going to see things on the internet about people debating that vaccinations cause autism. And again, we're using autism in a negative way and it shouldn't be, it should be celebrating her neurodiversity in every form. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, that, that is a challenge. I recognize that there is going to be debates and, and people not agreeing or aligning and it's hard because I, I, I'm not someone who <laughs> likes conflict. So for the most part, it's been very, very good supportive feedback, um, which is why I've been really enjoying um, doing it. Hearing about the vaccinations and that whole debate that vaccinations cause autism, I just smacked my, my forehead. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> like, and that is very internalized ableism. It where is completely it where these parents and subsequently the the kids will equate that their disability the autism is worse than death totally and it's not worse than death it is if we didn't have autism if we didn't have the disabilities we wouldn't get the einsteins of the world right right we wouldn't have a humane cattle industry, which Dr. Temple Grandin pushed. If anybody doesn't know, Dr. Temple Grandin is an autistic person who is a leader in not only the autism world, but also in the cattle industry. She revolutionized how farmers treat their cattle humanely. She has a PhD in animal husbandry. Having a PhD in animal husbandry is beyond many people's reach and educationally. And yet she's also on the autism spectrum. Who knew that people can be so smart? Right, totally. Yeah, I love, I'm a huge fan of Temple Grandin and, um... Yeah, her, her feedback and her input and um, 
you know, Thinking in Pictures is a great book that she wrote. And um, there's a lot of adults with autism who explain, you know, how, how their, their mind and their body works. And um, I think those are a lot of the individuals we, we need to really hone in on and listen to, um, you know, as opposed to like the Autism Speaks researching why autism exists or treatments or cures. So um, yeah, I, I really enjoy listening uh, to Temple. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions. Gospel. Live. Local. Asian. African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and the self-advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein or on Instagram at Allison Mira. So right now, we are talking with Marnie Omchinsky, who is the founder of the Inclusion Project, which is a clothing brand that promotes and helps autism awareness for our fashion episode. So cool. And she is based out of Winnipeg. And of course, my family is originally from Winnipeg. So that's a local connection. Since starting this inclusion project, and Indy started it during COVID, what are some of the challenges you found starting a clothing line and an, an awareness and justice, disability awareness and justice during a pandemic? Right. You know what? I um, you know, just being a full-time working mom, my my nine to five job is very, very busy in the in the tech industry. And um I honestly thought that. Starting this up in September during the pandemic, um, you know, would be challenging. You know, there might not be a lot of people purchasing the apparel. Um, and I, I was very surprised. Um, I think I had a donation goal for the first quarter of maybe $200. I thought, okay, you know what, if, if we sell $2,000 worth of apparel, we can donate $200 because um, we donate 10% of sales. And last quarter, we ended up donating $1,345 to Open Access Resource Center here in Winnipeg, which was so cool. Um, so I think almost in a way the pandemic maybe could have helped. I think a lot of people are, you know, on their phones a lot more. We're stuck at home. We have more time to read, really think about life and what's important and what's meaningful. So I actually, I found 
less challenges and probably uh, more reward by by launching during the pandemic. So it, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, we, we aim to have uh, an apparel manufacturer that makes really soft, cozy um, apparel. So I think people love having the extra hoodie or, or crew neck uh, that supports a cause um, to be comfy in at home with. That's so cool. I'm so tempted in buying one right now, <laughs> off, right off of my phone. And I suggest all of the listeners to do the same thing. Just stop anywhere and go buy any of your apparel. What's one challenge and one highlight of being a parent with a kid on the autism spectrum? Perfect question, actually. Um, I feel like this is something that I, I constantly ground myself with. Um, you know, the challenges there are such big walls to jump over to break down in order to find supports for our child. There's really long wait lists for services, year, year plus. Um, and again, not to change our daughter, but just to support um, her, her needs in a way that works for her um, so that she can be happy and thrive. Um, so I would say at times we, we as parents, uh, we, we can have the lowest lows. Um, and that comes from advocating and fighting for our, our kiddos through the school system, through the government. And, um, but the, I think the highlight or the win is that we get the highest highs. Um, so I look at our daughter, Kate, and she is a child that just lives in the moment. Um, she, you know, I know every, every person with autism or every autistic individual, however, whatever, you know, language you, you prefer um, is different. Um, and no two autistic people are the same. However, she lives in the moment and even if she's frustrated the night before, she's let that go in the morning. Whereas our other daughter, <laughs> our typical daughter, um, you know, she could remember stuff from a month ago and still be dwelling on it. So I just love our daughter's zest for life. But absolutely, I think any parent that has uh, a child with autism or intellect intellectual or physical disability, you'll have the lowest lows. Um, of course, you never want to see your children struggle, but you're, you'll absolutely get the highest highs um, for just celebrating simple moments. If you could give one piece of, of advice to any person, parent or neurodiverse person who wants to make a fashion brand or clothing line uh, to raise awareness and inclusion and justice for disabilities, what would you give? I, for advice, I would just say, dive right in. Um, I sat on my idea for about a year and a half. And with anything, we have all these fears or we're, we're pretty good at telling ourselves we can't do it or what about this and, and if, 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 or but, but just dive right in. Um, 
and absolutely lean on lean on other people who are are doing the same thing. Um, you know, you will have people that will say, "Oh, I don't want to give advice because I don't want it to be competition." No, we should we should be there to support um, each other. And if anybody is looking to start um, something similar, reach out to me, and I'd ha be happy to share like you know, maybe don't do this because this is really challenging or not beneficial for me. Um, so I can see you do it even better on your round. How can we buy any of your apparel and how can we find the inclusion project? Thanks. Great question. So our website is www.theinclusionproject.me. So that's dot M-E. Um, or you can find um, us on Instagram or Facebook at the Inclusion Project 2020. That's awesome. Go buy a sweatshirt. Go buy a sweatshirt. This is the self advocate on CFRO Co op Radio 100.5 FM, and me, your host, Alison Klein. I've been talking with Marnie Omnichinsky of the Inclusion Project. Thank you so much, Marnie, for doing this. Don't change your dial on that radio because there will be more about fashion and disability coming up on The Self-Advocate. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You're listening to The Self-Advocate and me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. So this episode, we're talking all about clothing, how it fits with people with disabilities. The next person that I'm going to talk with is Paul Marlowe, who has a clothing brand that promotes mental health and mental illness awareness. Thank you so much, Paul, for being on my show. Allison, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this and thank you for uh, picking me to join you today. So your clothing line is called Never Alone. What inspired you to make this clothing line Never Alone and to raise awareness about mental illness? 
Well, actually, uh, what inspired me was going through my own mental struggles. Uh, in 2018, uh, my father passed away after about a year and a year and a half of battling Parkinson's disease. And then finally, the last few weeks, uh, cancer occurred and kind of just took him away from us at the very end there, which to be honest was a silver lining. However, from the years, year of watching him whittle away to nothing from Parkinson's, it affected me mentally more than I knew at the time. And then finally, once he passed away, it all kind of came to a crescendo. And I just didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know how to deal with life. I didn't know where to head. I stopped working for a bit. I couldn't find any happiness in my life. And I was in a dark, deep place. And I really, it was a spot where I didn't want to hide from people because I wasn't ashamed of where I was. So actually I started sharing it and I shared it online on social media, on my own Instagram and Twitter as me, myself, Paul. And uh, from that uh, came the idea of Never Alone uh, from the community that I built up for me, just talking about honest conversations of feeling sad and then feeling happy one day and then feeling depressed and then anxiety. And uh, I realized there was a lot more people like me so I wanted to kind of bring them together in one place. You talk about going through losing your father and wanting to, being very vulnerable on social media. Were there others who went through similar experiences as you or opened up to you because you were so vulnerable on social media? Yeah, yeah, there was. And really if I didn't have those people I had people reaching out to me from Vancouver um, I had friends reaching out to me that I hadn't seen in years uh, thanking me and then saying they too have felt it they just haven't been as open I remember I had a few people from Germany and South America and all around the world that found my page somehow because of what I was just being honest and talking about um, and I, if I don't, if I didn't have that, I'm not sure if Neverland would be here today. If I was speaking and no one was replying to me, uh, I'm not sure if it would have turned into what it is. You also talk about your journey with the last year with your father battling mm -hmm. Parkinson's and then cancer. Did you realize at the time that you were having starting those struggles back then or was it all after your father's passing I definitely felt the struggles I knew I wasn't right I knew that uh, for the next 72 hours after my seeing my dad Sunday night for dinner I would be in a depressed state and I'd be very lucky of making it through it and being productive for those next two to three days I just, it became a normal thing for me. However, I wasn't so aware of who I was as a human, uh, personal growth wise and understanding these outlying factors that I was able to do stuff to um, abate them, do stuff to work towards bettering myself at that time. I, I was a much different man that at that time than I am now. 
Um, and I know if I went through that same thing right now, I'd have a much better understanding and more confident of what my skills are when I was able to do and I wasn't able to do. But no, at that time, I, I, I didn't know. I just knew that I wouldn't be happy. I was going to be sad. And that's all. I didn't really know what else to do about it, who to talk to um, or how to go about kind of finding my way to more happiness. Afterwards, after making this apparel and you are designed in Vancouver, Vancouver basis here, you started making this clothing and then why hoodies and hats? Why that type of clothing? I just want to say, first of all, I designed it here. Um, I have never made a piece of clothing in my life before. Uh, so I was going into a whole new venture, uh, also in the mental health realm, but a fashion realm. So I got it designed here with a friend of mine and a designer. I have them made overseas. So I don't want to confuse people uh, due to the cost and price in me being a startup venture and putting all my money into it. It is where I need it to go or else I wouldn't have been able to fund it myself, which I've been funding everything myself so far. Um, but with that being said, um, it's why hoodies and hats? Because it's a common thing to start with and I didn't know where else to start. Um, I am not a fashion designer. I have never been in fashion. I like clothes. I like looking good in clothes. I like how I feel when I feel like I look good in clothes. And that is a big reason why I've put so much focus on the fashion aspect of Never Alone and these hoodies. I'm very proud of what I've created. Uh, we created the hoodie. The hoodie I'm using right now is a, a mixture of three separate hoodies that I kind of combined and I designed it with someone's help and I made it. We got the fabric and I went through the full process of like making a unique piece of clothing that first of all, I was proud of and I was hoping someone else would be proud of also. I didn't want to do just a drop ship, something that was created for the masses by someone else, throw my logo on with some screen printing and sell it for this amount of money and then have that person wash it five times and have it blow out and not be wearable again. That was not, uh, I didn't want that. I didn't want a piece of merch that was just coming alongside Never Alone. I wanted something that someone could be proud of wearing uh, could wear and then have someone ask them a question like, I like that hoodie. What does Never Alone mean? And hopefully they could tell their story. So the reason why the hoodie and hat was to be straight up honest with you, it was just the first thing that I thought people might like to buy. And I like, I'll start with this and then I'll expand from there. That's really interesting to hear about that because everybody sees as hoodies and hats as piece of merch not something as a story piece or something to talk about mm -hmm. no no I agree uh and I, I believe that they've become that because people have seen them the people like me in my area of making something they become that because they're easy for them to make at a cheap price and people don't expect them to be of anything of value once they buy it unless you are going to a high-end price you're going to a lulu you're going to I'm not even Nike, Nike, but you're going to these places where you're like, I'm going to spend 90 to 100 to $150 on this hoodie. It's going to last and I can wear it out to a night at a restaurant or club or, you know, out with friends for a walk on a Sunday. While these other pieces that I believe a lot of brands and initiatives are making are just like, 
I want to get our logo out there just for people to buy because they're they're fans of us, they're followers of us. But once they have it in their hands, I don't really care what about it after. And I, I didn't want that to happen with Never Alone. What were the difficulties in making or designing these hoodies and these hats? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> from not, from never creating a piece in ever. I, I should have, this is what I should have done now that I know. I should have got a brand that I liked and got someone just to duplicate that hoodie style and then create my own logoing and pattern to put onto it because they would have already had the blueprint for a small, medium, large XL and they would have had everything set out. When you create something from scratch, you have to make it each single piece unique. And then once like I made a medium, we expanded it for a large and XL and then brought it down for a small and extra small. But the thing is the sleeves didn't go with it. They didn't automatically, when they went through and we added an inch and a half, for some reason it didn't connect with what I had created. So we had to go through and redo that. And then I put a hoodie onto it and it changed up the neck hole. So it completely sat tight and I, I couldn't even move my shoulders in like the third sample I had made. Um, so there was a lot of learning curves. Um, luckily, Google is an amazing thing and you can find out anything you need. Luckily also, uh, I created friends in the fashion industry that could kind of at least lead me in the right direction to contact someone who I needed contact. And uh, yeah, it was a lot, of, uh, a lot of learning, a lot of paying for samples that were gonna be used um, I spent a lot of money just trying to master this one piece of clothing. Um, and yeah, so there was a there was a ton of things, but I'm super proud of it. I'm so glad I didn't go the other route. That's so funny. I think of that or I hear that and I think of my own journey through making this radio show kind of shot in the dark. And then surprise, I have been able to make a radio show and yeah podcast and yeah like yeah business, and then business comes in many aspects it does yeah. and then afterwards you go I did that <laughs> I did that yeah and how, then how can I build it. off of it yeah you mentioned that you're proud of making it with all of the hardships that comes with it and now you're proud of this end result what are some of the highlights that you've seen by making this never alone and people coming up and talking about it that was well i'll be honest with you the first highlight was on the first day of sales when i finally put it out there uh someone bought one actually more than someone bought one i had around i think it was three or four thousand dollars worth of sales on the very first day which blew my mind because the thing is I've been talking about never alone. I've been talking about the hoodie with my mental health conversations on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. So my community knew what I was doing and my friends knew what I was doing. And the people that had come on to the community as they learned about what I was talking about and blogging and doing all these other things. And they're like, Oh, this is great. You're doing this thing. And the thing is though, like you can speak all you want, but to actually put it out there for the public to 
either buy or not buy or judge or not judge or partake in or not partake in is a very different thing. Like it is nerve wracking actually like, okay, the site's live. I'm sending out an email. I'm putting out Instagram posts. Is anyone going to spend this money on this thing that I've been talking about? These people who DM'd me through the last year, like I will buy one. Will they buy one? Like I don't expect them to. And it's cool if they don't, they're still part of the community. They're still part of Never Alone. But dang, it would be great if some people bought this so I could then at least pay off the 15,000 I put into it or a chunk of it. And then also put that money into creating the content that I wanna create. And that's what I'm doing with the hoodies is creating more content from the sales. Like this was, that was one of the most um, (laughs) nerve wracking two weeks coming up to it it's like what's going to happen on that day and then also realizing it doesn't matter what happens on that day I want this thing to be alive for 20 30 50 years my whole life so one day is not going to kill it but it would definitely be a big moral boost once this thing goes live and some people buy some and uh, as I said they did I had a great launch I was super happy and then I was even more happy when I started getting people messaging me and leaving reviews on the website on how much they, how they were surprised how nice the hoodie was. They were surprised that it was so comfortable. They were surprised with the product that I put out there because I think people were thinking it's gonna be merch. It's gonna be just this thing that I wear a few times that I don't ever wear again. Um, I have some people at a gym I go to and some friends and like, but a guy who's my friend, like we're close, but we're not buddies, we're acquaintances. And he wears a thing every day. And he's like, this is the most comfortable hoodie I own right now. And this is what I'm wearing. It's been seven months <laughs> and like stuff like that, that, that gets me, um, it gets me excited. That gets me excited to make my next piece so it can get even better. Vancouver Cooperative Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, homemade, not store-bought. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate. With me, your host, Allison Klein. Right now, you're tuning into my conversation with Paul Marlowe, who is the founder of Never Alone, which is a clothing brand that brings out mental health awareness and is a conversation starter for people raising awareness about mental illness and mental health. One thing that I noticed that is very striking and very different is that you talk about mental health and you're very open as a guy, which is counterintuitive to many guys who don't want to talk about their own struggles with their own mental health. What brought you the courage to the talk you mentioned the bringing out the having the courage to talk about it what gave you the strength to to do it and like the connections to make and make that blog on top of that as well uh actually I remember well it's very uh it's stuck in my head and will be forever it was a few days after my dad passed away and I was in my bedroom in my apartment. And I think I, I was so used to posting on Instagram at that time. Like I wasn't doing anything for Never Alone at that time. I was just, you know, it's Instagram. I was 28. 
uh, post-workout photos and me in clothing, you know, just the regular stuff where I thought I was doing something worthwhile. I'm like, I haven't posted anything. I'm like, I feel sad. I don't want to post anything. And I was like, why can't I share how I'm feeling right now in an Instagram story of me crying, laying in my bed. It's been there for four hours. It's like, why can't I share this? What is the difference between me sharing this, which is a real life moment to me sharing a workout, me sharing food, me sharing clothing, me sharing me be happy, which is a real life moment also. So I right then and there posted a story of the situation I was in and what had just happened and just kind of talking to my friends who are on Instagram. And I did it because I thought what could go wrong? There could be no worse feeling than this right now. That was my low. That was my unhappiest moment of my life. And like nothing, nothing can take this even deeper. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lose by doing this. I might come away as even and nothing happens, but I might win by feeling kind of more happy that I was able to speak about it or that someone might relate to it or someone might reach out to me and talk to me, which I'm kind of waiting for. So after that post, I did get some people messaging me like, wow, I didn't expect that. Uh, thank you. And um, it kind of just went from there. It, it, it didn't come naturally. You, it's something that you have to train like everything else because our natural instincts as humans and definitely as society for males and whatnot is to not do it, to ridicule, to judge, or even to think that people will ridicule and judge you. However, I've come to realize that no one rarely does. Um, I've only had probably like, I can count on one hand how many times people have kind of lashed out at me for calling me out, thinking I'm lying, thinking I'm saying this just for the sake of whatever it may be. And that's like five times out of, I don't know, 200,000 posts. So it's a pretty good number, but I've just gotten super comfortable with it. And it's not even for other people. It's for me. I've gotten so comfortable that it's helped me. It's kind of like my second therapist. When I talk out loud, I'm able to look kind of outside the box at what I'm saying. And I'm finding I can help myself grow uh, in ways personally from having these conversations just with regular human beings and not having to go into therapy as much as I did before. In a figurative world where your dad from he the heavens could see, mm -hmm. could talk to you, what would you, what do you think he would say to you seeing your clothing brand and your blogs? I'd say, Paul, this is cool. <laughs> He liked the word cool. Uh, no, he'd be, he'd be proud. Like I had a lot of uh, opportunities to do great things, uh, being an athlete and drafted and playing sports in college. And I had a lot of opportunities that I just didn't know how to uh, leverage and work on and better myself so I could keep going in them. And I kind of, I failed, as I say, and I'm totally fine with failing because you need to fail to learn sometimes. Uh, and he was around for the failures um, and he put a lot of work in to try to get me not to fail, but it still happened. So this is kind of something where um, I'm not failing at, I'm succeeding. I've, I've exceeded my expectation of what's going to happen. And I think he'd be super proud, um, happy, um, interested because it's an area he doesn't know at all. 
Uh, and yeah, he would just be taking it and loving it and hearing all these, like an interview like this, it'd be super joyed and happy for me and definitely tuning in to listen. I love that. My family also tunes in to listen. They're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that you could have done this. One last question before we can find out your contact and your socials. If there is another person, a guy or a woman, who is also struggling with mental health issues, but wants to make their own clothing brand to promote mental health awareness, what's Mm. one piece of advice you would give them? I would say, um, that's interesting. There's two aspects of this. Uh, I would say, first of all, just choose one. Figure out what you want to do. I took on quite a bit trying to make an actual clothing brand that can function as its own clothing brand line while also creating mental health help content via blogs, social media, and YouTube. So with what I've done is I believe I have created something to help people who need it, but also reach out to those who might not think they need it through the fashion line and get them interested in the conversation. And hopefully when they have that time, they're here with Never Alone through the clothing and they can take a look at the stuff. So for someone, if they want to do clothing, go through with it. I think, great, do it. The biggest thing I can say is find, find a reason to push your clothing, not just mental health, but really niche down and find something that's dear to you. And at the second time, put that clothing, put your money, put your sales in it back into everything that you're doing to help someone or put it into a foundation or to a charity. And I'm talking like 75%, just cover your costs. That I believe will help mental health and help your clothing line grow long-term because you're doing it for the sake of helping others instead of to make a quick buck off a cheap piece of clothing. Um, It's a little hard what I said there, but for the business aspect of things, there's a fine line you have to uh, work around, especially to start, I think, to get noticed. Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting area to head into um, mental health and business and money exchanging hands. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I got for that. Sorry, it was pretty muddled. And I, I think mental health, especially like we, this, isn't, this isn't a realm where you looked highly upon if you're looking to make money at. Right. Where, which I I get, but I think needs to change because let's look at the fitness realm. Let's look at the diet industry. Let's look at all those industries. It's purely money-making first and then helping people out after, really. Um, So give me the difference between mental health where I'm trying to help someone too. How come I can't keep my lights on? Um, That's where I'm going to go or other people. So I'm interested to see what happens in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years with this area. But I think it needs to change if the mental health, um, our views from society are going to change towards it. One other question I almost forgot to ask. Why should society care about mental health? And especially after a big stressor or a big life-changing event. 
Um, I, I think we can start even before that. There's, yeah, definitely a big stress or life-changing event. But why does society care about physical health? Why does society care about eating well and healthy? And what is the difference between those two subjects and mental health? I don't think there is any difference. Um, I think you should focus on your mental health daily by doing a morning routine or journaling or meditating or speaking honestly and openly to a therapist or friend with the aspect of just kind of trying to suss out the things that are going on in your head. Um, also working out for the sake of your mental health. Um, I think we've, it's been something that's so taboo to talk about, not even guys, but females and this, the general public in the 1900s and growing up in the, up until now that people put it on a different pedestal than all these other areas of daily health that we focus on where I think it should be commingled right in there with it. And it should just be part of the day. And uh, us, us gatekeepers in the mental health realm might have to step back and let everyone be able to have this conversation, not just advocates, not just businesses, but everyone should be feel comfortable talking about a mental health situation. Um, and hopefully in time we will. How can the listener find Never Alone? And how can the listener find you, Paul? The best way to do this, so I'm a, I'm a one-man band. I'm doing everything by myself. So I'm not going to lie. My social media channels for Never Alone are weak. Uh, not weak. I'm doing them. I just don't have time daily to be on them as myself. So to find me, uh, go to Tall Paul's Life on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I'm on there 24-7. So please shoot me a DM, say hi, whatever you want. Um, and you can find Never Alone, my clothing, my blogs, uh, YouTube videos, and everything involved at weareneveralone.co. The best way to get to it is I'd say, come to my Instagram, give me a follow. And then in my link in my bio, I have the link to the website if you can't remember that website name. Also, I'd love to say to your uh, followers right now, if they do want to kind of partake in the Never Alone community, become a member, become part of the family, I'd love to give them a 20% discount. All they have to do is hop into Instagram, shoot me a DM, say they came from your, your radio show, Allison, and I will gladly send them a coupon for that. Thank you so much, Paul. Of course. Become part of the family with Never Alone. This has been the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with me, your host, Allison Klein. Like I say every time before, you can follow me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. If you miss any part of this show, it is podcasted on anchor.fm forward slash Allison Klein or wherever you find your podcasts. If you would like to listen to it again, follow me on the podcast line as well. To close out this show, let's play our outro theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he does not have a disability, this song talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone.
today. My window. The sun came through. Today was the day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, 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 oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay. Remember, back then I've come a long way. The dream may never ever be the same, but came true. Still here with you, and that'll do. I know the road I'm on is not an easy way. Remember that I will define the path I take. The dream, yeah, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Came true. Still here with you, and that'll do. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a bit better. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little bit better Mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a little better. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul. 